Luxury resale already represents a $7 billion market today. Online resellers are driving the growth of the pre-owned market well beyond what brick-and-mortar stores ever did before. And one such company that has successfully implemented this model is the Luxury Closet. They're a leading Dubai-based online boutique for buying and selling new and pre-loved luxury items like handbags, clothes, watches, and jewelry. With more than 16,000 unique items as part of their selection, they curate only the best luxury brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, Cartier, Rolex, and so many more. We're very happy to host Sid Mitra, who is the CTO of the Luxury Closet. He has over 16 years of experience evangelizing digital innovation across Americas, APAC, Middle East, and India. Welcome, Sid. It's great to have you on the podcast today. Thanks a lot, Akshara. And I'm uh, real excited to, uh, you know, to talk about the Luxury Closet with uh, you guys as well. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Why don't we actually jump right into it, right? Let's talk a little bit about the Luxury Closet's business model and how that works. Well, yes, I mean, uh, we are a typical, you know, consignment based uh, e-commerce platform, which means we are both a seller and a buyer platform. Um, uh, what it means is that, you know, uh, we, we basically allow sellers to register themselves on our website um, and they can, uh, once they're registered, they can actually uh, submit their items online and they can even bring their items offline in our stores. Um, once they submit uh, their items, uh, we intercept those items uh, and we, uh, we price them. We evaluate the items and on the basis of that evaluation, we price those items and we send the prices back to them. And, uh, and they, of course, uh, you know, would, uh, would you know, either approve our prices or uh, send us back for a requotation, so to say. After that process is over and once sellers approve our price, we actually uh, get those items in our warehouse where we actually authenticate those items. We have a very exhaustive process of authenticating uh, items, right? And once we authenticate the items for uh, the condition, for the brand, and for the authenticity, at the end of, of the day, we work on the digital assets uh, of uh, those items, and we, then we, um, we put them online for our uh, end customers or the buyers. Uh, since we, we are a uh, you know, consignment-based e-commerce platform, we, we make sure that we only pay back to our sellers once the items are sold. Uh, against the payout that was uh, initially promised uh, from our side. And of course, I mean, we, we make uh, a certain amount of commission out of every sale. Uh, we have different types of sellers working with us as consigners. We have individual sellers, we have VIP sellers, and we have professional sellers as well. And we have different modes of integrating with each and every one of them. We are a very unique um, e-commerce model in a lot of sense. Uh, you know, we, we also make sure that uh, authenticity and uh, uh, experience when it comes to both sellers and buyers are maintained to a great extent. So, yeah, I mean, we are very different and uh, this is predominantly at a high level how the model works because, uh, you know, just another very interesting point, we believe in this uh, entire concept of uh, circular economy, right, which is to a great extent, restorative and regenerative by design, right? As against the traditional linear economy, right? And um, we feel uh, when I'm, you know, when I was explaining the entire model, uh, this is very closely related to this basic philosophy that we have. We feel that we help our shoppers and consigners 
you know to believe in this sustainable uh, fashion mantra right um so yes i mean i we believe in 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 that uh, in 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 that motto so to say and hence we are extremely focused to make this work over a period of time and be sustainable in the in the fashion world right um in fact i think i see three very strong pillars to what you just said so one part of course is the authenticity itself where um you know there's a elaborate process all the way from when item is onboarded to how it's sold the second part of course is the sustainability angle itself which is being able to um educate your shoppers and make sure that they're very aware of the fact that your model is circular but the third part which is also something i wanted to touch upon a bit more is the experience right every time we think of luxury and we think of luxury products um we're thinking of the craftsmanship the actual touch and feel element um and being able to justify what you pay for so talk to us about how luxury closet has been able to build that type of customer experience because you know fashion has had to adapt very quickly during this pandemic and we've many brands have had to create very comparable digital experiences since physical store experiences are such an important part of luxury how are you recreating that whole thing online at the luxury closet true true uh, i i would uh, i would um, you know uh, agree to what you said and let me tell you that you know since you asked about um, how are we replicating the brick and mortar kind of an experience especially uh, during this time right so let me start by saying that uh, you know what this pan pandemic has done in essence is it has uh, you know it, it has pushed the quintessential quote unquote retail store to a place where you know they are no longer on the high streets right uh, but but rather on digital platforms like you know the one that we operate and work on right so uh, as you said the challenge over here is to make to make sure and to you know to to ensure that customers are getting the same level of luxury service the same level of experience that uh, you know that which they would otherwise get in in uh, in a quote unquote brick and mortar uh, store um and hence uh, there's a lot of responsibility when it comes to maintaining such a technology platform such a, such a digital platform um you know when you when you actually go to a store which is you know either dealing with uh, new luxury or you know used luxury or pre-loved luxury so to say you actually look for a great experience right if you actually go to a, a louis vuitton store you would see how that is so very different to any other uh you know uh, brick and mortar retail store for instance right so um you know we always strive to make sure that there is a seamlessness in the way the customers um you know experience our catalog and the way they check out our products against the uh, the brick and mortar experience and it's 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 been uh, you know our number one driving factor from 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 the time we started off uh, with our digital platform um what that means is that we have to of course strike a balance between the brand experience and the ease of finding uh, the products in a way um you know which is going to be exactly the way they would find uh, ask for a product and find for a product in a store right so hence um user experience right user experience plays a very very crucial role in uh in the way we uh, showcase our catalog and present our uh our products uh to the end customers the same goes even for sellers for the sellers 
uh, we also make sure that it, it's a very uh, unique experience and a very seamless and an easy, easy experience to register themselves uh, in our online uh, platform and, and then submit uh, their items um, online, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, coming back to the user experience, I think uh, that's the reason we make sure that we spent a lot of our research on the entire aspect of discoverability, right? Which has to be extremely intuitive uh, so as to cater to the intent of the customers when they're searching for products, when they're searching for products. Um, and also uh, we try our best to induce, induce them to, to buy the right product depending upon their historical preferences and what do they like and stuff like that, right? Um, so, I mean, in es essence, what I'm trying to say is personalization is very important and, uh, you know, we, we are currently working on various aspects of personalizing uh, our customer experiences so that, you know, uh, they feel connected with the platform. So it, it, this, the, the platform is not the same for every customer, right? Uh, in the sense, uh, you know, they get to see what is offered to them uh, depending on what they have previously liked. Uh, what their behavioral profiles uh, tell us, and uh, what has been their transactional uh, profile uh, in the past. Um, also, along with this, I must, uh, you know, I must uh, also stress on the fact that the last mile for an e-commerce experience is very important, um, and hence it's it's extremely important uh, that we follow the right kind of processes that goes post order right once a customer places an order we we have to make sure that it's just not about a fancy box with a ribbon right uh, the entire journey of the customer from the user navigation to the search the offers the, the payments that they use the security of the platform to the transaction completion um, to the package arrival at the customer's doorstep all of that has to be top notch right um, so uh, you know all in all we just want to we want to strive at that excellence and make sure that it is very, very different when you compare to a standard online order, say from a retailer like say Amazon. Uh, and technology or, you know, plays a very, very crucial overarching role in achieving all these use cases which I spoke about. So yeah, I mean, uh, that's how we try and make sure that uh, it's, it's very, very seamless to uh, what a brick and mortar experience would look like. Um, we are we are trying out newer and newer nuances in our platform uh, we constantly test introducing different kind of uh, digital products uh, to to make sure that that gap that you are talking about which this especially this pandemic has also brought about is bridged you know i think what i'm hearing essentially is that Trust seems to be the epicenter of the entire experience at the luxury closet, right? Obviously, it's not just the way um, a product is packaged and sent to their customers. It is also about every single journey of the customer experience. So whether it's how they um, discover an item, how secure the payment process is, um, how the authentication of the product is, all of that seems to be the different pillars that build Absolutely. a really wonderful luxury experience on your site. And this is kind of interesting because because it brings me to my next question, right? Um, the luxury closet is not just a luxury website, it's a luxury consignment website. So um, 
it does have a bit of that resale element over there, which means that there are obviously used items, thrifted items and pre-loved items on your site. You know, there's a lot of things that people uh, are looking for even in a pre-loved item. So even if they're mm -hmm. going to spend a lot of money, they might be um, curious to know the condition of the product or the quality of the product, right? So how is that? How is that trust element brought on to the website? Yeah, so uh, we we are a platform which uh, which stresses a lot on authenticity i mean we just make sure that we uh, put all our efforts to authenticate uh, each and every item that we bring in uh, you know if you go back to the earlier process of how sellers would actually register in our platform and uh, and submit items i would say once the items reach us right uh, for that evaluation we have a whole li list of uh, assessment criteria, which is which is very very specific to uh, you know subcategories and individual brands, individual styles. For example, each item is evaluated basis a combination of hallmarks, uh, hardware, stitching, symmetry, material, craftsmanship, stamping, codes, uh, you know different types of hologram stickers, for example, packaging, right, and um, uh, authenticators also check if the items have been modified or uh, amended in any which way or you know they are refurbished in any which way so that we are absolutely not missing out on any such small wins um, there's there's also a lot of uh, uh, a lot of uh, you know craftsmanship which is which goes into all of this we have a you know experts uh, who who does that uh, manually? I mean, there are gemologists or holologists, um, people who are experts in dealing with watches, um, who actually uh, specifically doing this for all our items. Now we are also trying to get technology uh, into this play as well, into this authentication play as well, and we are trying different computer vision models. Uh, to see uh, what technology can can help us achieve, um, especially in terms of the scale. Uh, what I'm, you know, indirectly trying to say is, you know, we have defined these two marks for us, right? So if if our model says that this is obviously an authenticated product, um, you know, we we pass uh, the product right away. If our model says that this is really not an authentic, obviously not an authentic product, we of course make sure that the product doesn't go through. And if the product falls in between these two ranges, uh, ultimately, you know, the authenticators would take over who, who are highly specialized and knowledgeable in dealing with all of that. Um, so it's a unique way. And, uh, you know, we have not got uh, the technology aspect fully into it. We are, we are evaluating the models because it's very, it's very specialized, right? You know, pre-loved luxury, is something which is very different than you know the run of the mill uh, quote unquote fashion right uh, you have different types of nuances for example uh, there could be brand style variations there could be generic styles there could be brand specific styles and your model who is trying to authenticate it as an automated process has to understand all these nuances to make sure whether it's a completely 100% authenticated product or not um, Apart from, of course, the manual process, which I explained. So to answer your question, um, we we make sure that every single item that we bring in and list it on our website is uh, completely 100% authenticated. 
Um, along with that, the discoverability aspect of customers, that is also kind of very genuine and very original. Um, we, we kind of handhold them at every possible stage. For example, if a customer is spending too much of time uh, in our website, we would try and ping him, try and ask him about the feedback, uh, you know, if at all there is any feedback in terms of if there is any difficulty in, in searching the right product that he, that he wants. Um, we also try and get customer feedbacks on the user experiences that he is going through. We have the best of the payment processes that can possibly be there for a customer to make use of them. Um, uh, and for every payment issue that they face, we you know immediately get a notification saying that you know there's a problem with maybe one of the payment processors and there's a customer which is, is stuck somewhere, and we, we immediately reach out to the customer just to make sure that you know that that lineage of authenticity and that uh, quote unquote um, uh, red carpet experience, so to say, is maintained, right? And as I said, uh, we continue with that process even after the order is placed in terms of our post-order experience, in, in, in terms of even our personalized um, emailers that we would send to our customers, uh, which, is very, which is very specific and personalized to that particular uh, customer, right? So yeah, I mean, these are some of the uh, you know, uh, nuances around authentication, around discoverability that we uh, try and uh, put in place to to make sure that customers always feel that they're dealing with a very very authenticated upmarket very reliable platform wow it feels like the process for authentication is actually fairly elaborate because it's it's not something that's very simple it takes a very solid model at the back end to be able to authenticate every single product that comes in Absolutely. Um, and have specialists uh, actually look at every single product and make sure that there's nothing that's tampered or um, nothing that yeah, and and just to just to add on to this uh, i would say that you know we are a we are a very unique model right which means that you know every item that we receive is a unique item. We are a single SKU uh, product information management uh, model, right? Which means that, right. you know, even if you have uh, multiple variants of uh, the same product, right? Basically in our system, the SKUs are different because, you know, they would be used differently. They would be differently aged. They would have different conditions. Um, you know, some would be, uh, you know, lightly used, some would be absolutely as good as new. So we have to make sure that we cannot really rely on preconceived rules, which are very, very broad and high level to evaluate uh, products, to price products, to authenticate products and all of that, right, to discover products. So, um, you know, and, and hence for us, uh, Every at every step, uh, stage and step of retaining customers and acquiring customers, we have to make sure that we we understand what our customers are, are really looking for, and we also understand the products that we are offering to them because every product is different, right? Um, so yeah, I mean uh, it's both a challenge and and uh, at the same time a fantastic uh, proposition to solve at the end of the day for for uh, for all of us to attend that element of sustainability, which I was uh, talking about some time back.
you know, I'd like to touch upon sustainability a little bit more. Um, we've been talking, obviously, about uh, the growth of the resale market from the very beginning of this podcast. And while we've read about, you know, high-profile bankruptcies, store closures, and businesses struggling with COVID in the last six months, I think the resale story has been um, quite different, you know, because when we've spoken to some of our customers and retailers, including companies like ThreadUp, Depop, and The Upside, who uh, also are specialists in this space, they've been talking about their sales soaring since the pandemic so this model in some way seems to be thriving what do you think are the aspects of it that are making it click well uh, you know as i said right um couple of things uh, you know in terms of data points um i i think you know resale market is expected to grow almost exponentially from you know the current 7 billion to around you know, 36, 37 billion by 2024. And this is according to the June report from Global Data. Uh, so um, it's it's very indicative of the fact that, yes, it's working out. And um, it's working out for a couple of reasons. It's profitable and it's sustainable over a period of time. And, uh, um, you know, if you also, another data point would be, as you said, um, you know, starting from April of 2020 this year, we have seen, uh, almost 134 million, 135 million of investments, uh, including that of Luxury Closet, CR Collective, Fashion Feel, uh, Rebag, all these companies have raised a lot of funding, right? So it goes without saying that investors are, uh, they, they, they understand what we are doing. And, you know, of course, it's, it's profitable over a period of time. And uh, it's, it's the, the talk of the town, so to say, as you said. Um, what's very interesting for us to to understand and i'm not sure whether this is the case with everyone else but for us what has really uh worked is um the the the, the way we acquire customers right showcasing all of that as i said showcasing this entire aspect of um, you know very seamless uh, customer experience uh, you know uh, close to the brick and mortar experience um and also you know the 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 red carpet uh, proposition um, that has helped us to make sure that we acquire customers as uh, easily as possible and uh, spending as less amount of marketing budget as possible. That's very important, you know, when we talk about uh, budgetary numbers and 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 commercials. Um, now, again, uh, technology has a huge role over here as well because you know when we are trying to work on customer acquisition cost, you have to make sure that, um, you know, you acquire uh, as, as, as much as possible from um, uh, organic sources. So your organic traffic has to be very, very strong. Uh, just to let, let you know that, you know, we are, we are heavily spending and heavily focusing on SEO, which is, you know, one of the main aspects of bringing in, um, uh, you know more and more customers online through uh, uh, organic sources organic channels uh, we have built the platform in such a way the infrastructure is built in such a way so that you know we automatically attract a lot of organic customers we are extremely light in the way we we uh, our front end works our back end is very very secure and doesn't really uh, it's not uh, completely coupled up with the front end uh, we have different set of servers serving bot traffic, different set of servers serving customer traffic. We make sure that we have keywords and um, 
we have uh, crosslinks which which completely um, uh, trend all the time and we have a very high visibility score just to let you know we are trending number two in in the the MENA region the Middle East region in when it comes to our visibility score and I'm pretty much sure we'll be number one in some more time in terms of organic traffic so one of the things to answer your question which has really really worked for us is the way that we have optimized customer acquisition cost and uh, of course coupled with that is our uh, you know uh, the way we have we have been able to achieve our sales velocity and a lot of factors uh, you know has contributed towards that i mean in in machine learning parlance we would say there are so many regressors which ultimately uh, you know make the y variable work right so um, and pricing is definitely one of them. We have been able to uh, completely change the way we price our products as what it used to be pre previously. And, and pricing is a challenge uh, for pre-love luxury because every product is different. Their statuses are different, their conditions are different, and hence the way you would identify a product and put it in a, uh, in a stochastic model, so to say, to identify where it falls and how much it should uh, it should be priced and what is the sales velocity that you're looking at against that specific price that you're looking at all of that is is extremely important and we are further fine-tuning uh, our stochastic models especially when it comes to pricing to make it much more uh, leaner and uh, much more efficient so that every price that we quote is approved by the seller and the moment it is uh, approved and it gets listed in our platform sells um, so yeah, I mean, all these different aspects, as I said, right, um, starting from customer acquisition costs to the way we price our products, to the way we showcase, discover, allow, uh, allow the, the products to discover, um, understanding the, the, the customer nuances, understanding their, uh, <clears throat> their intent, all of that has, I think, um, gone in uh, to, uh, to this uh, success story, so to say, yeah? Right. I was actually going to say the same thing. I was going to sum up, uh, you know, all of the things you talked about because they seem to be the key drivers of growth, right? Whether it's pricing or authenticity, discoverability, um, how you actually uh, present the products on the site. And I wanted to touch upon that a little bit before we jump into, you know, um, another key element, which is technology. So uh, I remember the last week I was browsing on the luxury closet site and some of your campaigns are extremely compelling and beautiful. And um, I think you guys focus a lot on also being able to attract the customer from that angle. So what are some of the things that you do from a marketing perspective on the site to really be able to consistently engage with your target audience and your customer yeah what we typically try and do is we try and understand uh, who who our customers are so most of our campaigns are uh, run specifically uh, against uh, a sliced and a diced uh, segmentation right um, and that's where we we kind of try and connect to our customers right um, it's it's not an overall uh, campaign which is very very broader in the sense uh, it attracts customers because you know um, we are not talking about the quintessential uh, fashion we are talking about high-end fashion we are talking about pre-loved fashion that too right so it's it's quite complicated people uh, people have different types of tastes and preferences and 
they have a lot of inhibitions at times also you know that category of customers so we have to make sure that you know we understand them we put them in the right segment before we, we could target them and retarget them and um, organically even attract them as i said through technology right um so yeah i mean these are uh, some of the, uh, the the marketing tech initiatives that we we run uh, we are currently working on a full fledged stp based uh, personalization model which we uh, uh, which we would also use in our marketing campaigns we are using it already but in bits and pieces we just want to make sure that we we make it uh, we use it as much as possible and not in terms of uh, uh, n equal to a segment uh, we are trying to go towards a model where you know we want to do uh, n equal to one segmentation you see so um, you know where you know the way we would target customers would be very very different from one customer to the other customer uh, the way the customers would come and discover uh, is going to be very different for example you would have a very different home page against mine right and and why not because you know the average order value the average basket value that we have is you know more than 700 $800. so of course you you are not going to be happy seeing uh, products which are at a very very high level which is what we just want to sell no i mean we, you would rather want our website to to show you exactly what you want uh, what has been your preferences what has been your persona um and that's exactly what we want to deliver to our customers and you know it's it's just going to be um you know maybe another quarter where you will see that luxury class it is going to be very different to you as a customer as against me as a customer everything will be very very personalized so and uh, you know uh, marketing is is of course an extension of of how do we uh, you know do that uh, customer retention and acquisition and we will make sure that we help the marketing team with as much as uh, technology to understand and slice and dice customers as much as possible right right i think you touched upon some very very important points at least in today's customer experience which is all about you know segmentation not being personalization you are actively not looking to segment on a high level you're looking to go down to the very last detail of a customer's preference yeah so i would like to sorry to interject interject but i i would also like to stress upon this fact that when it comes to personalization i see a lot of platforms actually um, do segmentation at a very very high level now of course i mean there is a, there's this cold start problem that we have where we we have to start with a you know existing segment and our strategy is not to get stuck there i mean we can of course uh, start with a segment but over a period of time we want that segment to um, to kind of degenerate in the in the good sense of the term and ultimately um, you know get to a stage where we can identify that person that persona right uh, so it's it's very similar to to that of a progressive jpeg right um the, the initial uh, jpeg would be uh, you know slightly blurry because you know of the pixel concentration and then as and when you keep on uh, putting the right pixels uh, it of course becomes much more clear over a period of time 
um, this is exactly what we are trying to achieve. Uh, I, I think we really don't have any other uh, any other way out. I mean, the kind of customers that we have and the challenge that we have, and as you initially started of asking me, you know, how can we bridge the gap between the brick and mortar and the, the digital experience? I think this will ultimately try and do that because if you actually go to a very, very high-end brand store in any one of the big malls in Dubai, you would see a personalized experience to the extent that you know they would identify you as a customer as in you know mathematically n equal to one and they they will try and showcase you exactly depending upon um you know the the conversations that they would have with you they'll ask you questions whether you have you have a similar bag whether you you like a specific brand you know what are the collections that you have and so on and so forth so we try to do that, of course, with machine learning and artificial intelligence, uh, not in terms of explicitly asking those questions. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the experience is going to be very similar. 100%. I think, um, you know, everything that you've talked about personalization, obviously, is the true essence of personalization and not really how it's put across today by a lot of brands in a very segmented way. Um, but obviously, the biggest and most important part of that is that technology uh, and really good technology powers a lot of that. So, you know, given that you are obviously the main person who is driving the vision for the luxury closet in terms of technology, can you talk to us about all of the initiatives that you have taken up? Well, I, I, was, I was thinking, frankly speaking, I was thinking, when will you ask me a question around my technology? And, you know, I got one finally. So thanks for that. Um, just I was trying me... to save the best one for the last one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, I think that that's that's the overarching uh, thing, right? Technology ultimately um, controls everything else, right? Uh, starting from the infrastructure, you know, if I if I just spend probably a couple of minutes on it, I think we have a very solid tech infrastructure. We are on um, we are on AWS, and we are trying to ultimately go towards. Uh, elastic um, uh, Kubernetes service-based, EKS-based uh, infrastructure, which runs on Kubernetes pods on uh, AWS Fargate. Um, simplistically, at a high level, what I'm trying to say is, you know, we, we are trying to go towards a serverless, you know, compute engine built for containers on AWS, which is extremely scalable, right? Which means that as and when traffic comes in, we expand and then we contract as and when uh, traffic uh, is 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 low or less. Um, that's that's the kind of focus that we have uh, in building our infrastructure, right? So we really don't bother about scale, um, you know, and and we want uh, more and more customers to check our platforms, and hence, you know, we really don't worry much about um, you know organic and paid traffic coming and 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 uh, exploring our website to start off with. Um, we have also invested a lot on um, on various machine learning uh, and artificial intelligence projects uh, when it comes to discoverability, when it comes to search, when it comes to um, ranking products on our website. So, for instance, every uh, every uh, multi-product page or you know product listing page or you know whatever you call. Uh, we showcase those products depending on uh, product performance. Uh, it's it's just not manually ranked. 
basis historical performance of the brands or of this of the similar kind of products um we also try and make sure that you you cannot manually uh, bump it up and down uh, you, we have a way by which we can understand false positives and false negatives in such scenarios and we and the entire model around product ranking is a regression based model which we have built um, which identifies how a product should be uh, go, you know going up uh, in the first fold versus why it should be in the second third fold or maybe pushed even further right um the way we do an analyze search is also very intuitive uh, we have built in algorithms which which try and understand the intent of the customer right so for instance i mean every customer is not as style savvy and brand savvy uh, right but we would try and understand on the basis of the keywords that they are putting in as part of their search right Uh, customers who who are searching with uh, say something which is very as specific as a brand style variation right we would know automatically that that particular customer knows about the product that he or she wants because the search has a brand style variation associated with it just to give you a small nuance things like that we have all sorts of cognitive rules that we have built in uh and you know uh, we analyze uh, and then we give out the search results uh <clears throat> we also uh, we are investing on on suggesting search results and you know within the next uh, few weeks you would see you know keystroke based search results very similar to what you see in other platforms like netflix right so we would understand on the first two three four keystrokes exactly what you would want and you would kind of uh recommend similar products that you are trying to search look forward to so uh, <clears throat> uh such kind of things um uh, the pricing model i think i explained a little bit before for your other question the pricing model is extremely intuitive we have we have uh, you know we have a way by which we implement uh, we we have implemented k means and there's a stochastic model on top of it which which identifies the right clusters for products that we are trying to price on and then we try and get the best uh, price out of that um we also we are trying to understand how how can we uh, manage prices better by evaluating um uh, prices and and velocity against those prices that we are working on um overall i think um this is a hot bed of technology so to say and i'm hence i'm so excited to talk about it because it's a very intuitive platform right um uh, and it's just not about the buyer side it's also about the seller side how the consigners are working with us um what is experience at their side as well um how easily they are able to submit the products uh how how better we authenticate as i explained before Uh, so that you know at the end of the day they also don't uh, get uh, frustrated with the kind of supply that we expect vis-a-vis what they're bringing to the table so i think um, you know overall i think it's it's a it's a it's a treat to work in a platform like this where you have so many different um, opportunities in this guys for for a technologist like me to just you know try and solve you know one problem after the other and you know you go on and on and and uh, you are never satisfied with the uh, 
with the kind of experience that you want to achieve at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, I, I look forward to many more challenges and I look forward to taking this to the next level in the, in the coming few months or quarters. Absolutely. And, you know, I think um, one of the most interesting things I think that came out of the last part of that question was um, so many brands that we see, especially even in luxury, a lot of them don't even um, have e-commerce because they still rely on that, you know, physical old world kind of experience. But I think what you're doing at the luxury closet seems to be extremely cutting edge and very future forward in that you're making sure that irrespective of what the product is, you want the experience to be, you know, unparalleled, whether it's digital, whether it's physical, whatever it is. And I think a large part of that is obviously driven by technology. And it looks like you're building most of that in-house, if I'm not wrong. And I think that kind of brings us to the end of our podcast. We got a fantastic understanding of how the luxury closets model works, every single aspect uh, of the business that you're working on. Um, we're looking forward to watching this company just grow leaps and bounds. Thanks a lot. And um, thank you specifically, Akshara, for giving me this opportunity to talk to you. I look forward to many more conversations uh, like this in the future as well. So thanks a lot. For more other episodes around luxury, retail and sustainability, tune into The View Podcast to get your monthly dose. Until then, see you. Bye-bye.